Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back. This is Jim Oliver, your host, and my co-host today is Nick Costco. Nick, welcome. It's a pleasure to be back and uh, do the second part of the human problem. The human problem. It's almost like the reassuring lie that we tell ourselves, right? <laughs> yeah, are you going to have the courage and uh, conviction and be willing to accept the coaching to get into the inconvenient truth line? That's right. That's right. Now, we're going to talk about the golden rule. So I have to tell a story. When my 21 now year old daughter, when she was, I'm going to say, I think in the fourth grade, she was at a new school here in South Dakota. We had moved from Colorado to South Dakota. And the teacher asked anybody or asked the class if anyone knew what the golden rule was. And sure. she raises her hand and she's all excited because she knows what the golden rule is. <laughs> and, and the way that she said it is, those who have the gold make the rules. That's the teacher funny. said, no, that's not the golden rule. And, and she said, oh, yes, it is. That is the golden rule. And she explained why it is the golden rule. That's and funny. It is funny. And she came home. She was a little bit perturbed with me, though, because <laughs> you know, her teacher argued with her. And she said, well, you didn't tell me about the other golden rule. And I said, well, you didn't do your reading in Sunday school? <laughs> I'm all, you know, I, I can't teach, you know, my children everything. <laughs> that's right they gotta have a little want to that's right so which golden rule I, I i'm i'm not gonna say that the other golden rule isn't as important or more important but for our discussions today the golden rule is those who have the gold make the rules well we do this in the presentation that we do for clients it's how do banks work you got to understand the players in the play most people understand that there's a play going on but they don't know what's happening and they sure as heck don't understand the, the players in the play. Right. So what, what on this page just strikes you, Nick, what part of it do you hits home for you? I just really like that. It challenges the, the golden rule principle. I mean, that's not what I was taught growing up being the golden rule. It challenged my, my old paradigm. It challenged my old way of thinking and we talk about this all the time is that we have to be willing to change our way of thinking and accept the paradigm. So the way that this struck me, I remember pretty clearly is that I was open to receiving something new. That's why I was reading the book, but this just further pushed open the door because yeah. those who have the gold make the rules. That's not what we were taught as kids. So, so what I look at this is, is when I look at Nelson's example and this example you got to remember when this book was written. And at the time, the Japanese had all the money in the world. I mean, they were buying Los Angeles, basically, right? Or Southern California or a lot of other places. Yeah, they were absolutely leveraging their technological boom. Yeah, absolutely. And Panasonic wanted to build a plant in Mexico. And the obvious equation that Nelson says is the infinite wisdom of the Mexican government at the time 
if you wanted to establish such a business there, they required that Mexicans should own 51% of the business, <laughs> right? That means that Mexicans control the business. Right. But the typical Japanese strategy was you put money in a business and you should expect to lose money for five years, right? Yeah. And then when you start making money, you plow it back into the business for five more years. Yeah. Only after that, then you start to take money out of the business. Now, I would tell you that that strategy built a lot of wealth, right? But in today's world, that's not how things are done in this country. And it wasn't how things were done in Mexico during that time. In Mexico, they did things a little bit differently. I mean, they, they demand a bonus at the very start. It's just like coming out of college and saying, well, I know everything there is about X subject, so you should pay me $200,000 a year. Like right. there's, no, there's no, hey, I got to kind of pay my dues, so to speak. Like it's the, the I want it now, the instant culture that, you know, look how pervasive Amazon is. I mean, I bought something on Amazon this morning and it'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I want it now. Can Amazon get it here today? I mean, that'd be cool if we could pull that off too. Well, they can in some places, right? Uh, right. And that'll be, that'll be the norm sooner rather than later. So Mexico made all these demands, and what did Panasonic do? They took their business elsewhere. That's right, because Panasonic had the gold, so they made the rules. It wasn't about the Mexican government, because they didn't have the money. They didn't have the gold, right? That's right. And you know, we talk about our capital and our capital having a cost. But capital is also a responsibility and should be treated with great respect, Nelson says. If not, then all parties involved will lose. Now, he says it's blatantly obvious. It is blatantly obvious, but think about New York. I think it was New York, not New, yeah, New York, where they decided they didn't want Amazon and those jobs and all the prosperity that would have come with that. Manhattan. Right. right. And so, one, how, how that politician wasn't, uh, uh, recalled, I have no idea because it just really hurt your district with that decision and that that movement. But you know, we when we think of the golden rule, you got to remember that you got to remember that those who have the gold make the rules. Anything else to add on that? No, no, I think that that that's it there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Nelson goes into some great examples because one of the brilliant things about Nelson is even when something makes sense and is simple, he wants to make sure that you understand that, right? Yeah. yeah. So as we kind of go through that, I mean, read it all and, you know, how he talks about everybody plays their role and, you know, how everything just kind of all comes together in this play. And he even quotes Shakespeare saying all the world is a stage and the people are actors thereon. You know, you got to know your role and what roles you're playing. And what this book is about is taking over a really important role sure. that most people don't know that they can, that they can be, which is being their own banker. That's right. Well, the next rule, the arrival syndrome, I got to share a story with you. All right. I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. So in 1996, I started flying airplanes and I went to this school where you had to do all these check rides along the way. Yeah. 
And I've been really fortunate in my checkride world, you know, of all the airplanes I've flown, it were constantly being examined. But my very first checkride, I failed. Mm. And so I'm sitting there with this guy and I had to do this checkride so that I could go solo an airplane, fly an airplane by myself for the first time. And I had done all my book work and you got to sit down, you got to be interviewed by a guy and he's asking, it's called your oral exam. And then you go do a, a practical like flight exam with a guy. So I'm sitting there and I had uh, at the time, your pilot certificate it is called a student pilot certificate. I mean, it's this uh, yellowish piece of paper. I can remember it very clearly. And he sits down and the first question he asked me is says, hey, when do you stop becoming a student pilot? And I gave him this technical answer of, well, once I pass my private pilot check ride, then I'll have my private pilot certificate and yada, yada, yada. And I won't have my student pilot certificate. And he just looked at me deadpan. He goes, you're always a student pilot. And it just hit me. I was like, wow. So his whole point was that you've never arrived. You will always, I mean, I've flown big airplanes, the biggest airplanes out there around the world and are always learning. And so what do we come across all the time and with clients and or prospects really about finance? They think they know everything. They think they know everything. Their money babysitter has, has got them covered and they're doing great just because they're, they're making $100,000 a year or $10 million a year, then they're doing it right, that there's nothing they can learn. Yeah, you know, sometimes the arrival syndrome, you know, that Nelson doesn't really talk about how to overcome the arrival syndrome, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of an innate willingness, like that fixed versus growth mindset. So here's one of the things I think about with the arrival syndrome. And the podcast is over for any doctors in the audience. Please just turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, doctors go to school for a long time, right? And doctors are built up to believe in themselves, to have confidence. And thank goodness they are, right? That's right. There's some doctors out there. There's a certain portion of them. Even some of them have their own podcasts and websites about wealth. And then I, I got to tell you that the ones that I've read are, are most of them are misguided. But a doctor has got to, they build up their ego to the point where there's a lot of doctors that have the arrival syndrome, right? Yeah. And you know how I attack that is I ask them a few questions. So if you were a doctor, Nick, it might go something like this. Dr. Costco, how many years did you go to school? I went to school for about a dozen. Yeah, they're going to say 12. Some, of, some specialties, maybe 17. Okay. And I'm going to say, how many business classes did you have? Mm, I don't remember taking one. How many economics classes, finance classes did you have? Like maybe basic econ, tops, yeah, 100 like, level? Like, yeah, pretty much zero, right? And how many classes on money did you have? I don't recall that class. That's right. So, you know, the point is, is that when a doctor is trained and they're in a classroom and, and they're asked a question among all these other residents and medical students, if they get the question wrong, the instructor like destroys them or pimps them to the point where they're never going to get that question wrong again. So yeah. I think sometimes when we're working with doctors or people that have the arrival syndrome, 
and by the way, the arrival syndrome is normally deadly. It's normally not curable. But the only way to cure it is by shocking the system. <laughs> I don't know where I read this, but it talked about how particularly males, like when it comes to marketing and sales, like we have to be hit square between the eyes. Kids, they'll take glancing blows all the time. They hear it and then they'll go think about it and fester on it and whatnot. But unless we get hit square between the eyes, we're not going to, you know, marinate a notion that we sort of heard. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, when you point out that, why would you think that you know everything about everything, but you don't have any training in this area? It's like running a marathon. That'd be like me trying to say, I'm going to be a marathon or Ironman coach. Well, Jim, do you have any training? No. Do you, uh, have you ever run one? No. I mean, who would listen to me? <laughs> right? It, well, what do we talk about with uh, Robert Kiyosaki says, most people are taking their financial advice from salespeople instead of rich people. Right. And you know, what's funny about that is, you know how many people on the internet are talking about infinite banking or cash flow or financial freedom, and they've never done anything. We just had a client who interviewed a couple other firms, and then he, he wound up picking us. But he told me, he asked one of the other practitioners, well, you know, how much are you putting into your system? Like, how are you using this in your life? And he said, well, I'm, I'm really not doing, I'm putting a little bit of money in here, but I'm doing these other things. And that, thankfully, it grabbed our client as a red flag to them. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would say that is a real problem in the IBC community. And a lot of those people don't even call it IBC because they don't even have the courtesy in the class to give Nelson credit where credit is due. And they try to act like it's something they came up with or they discovered or that they're the, the guru on it. And, you know, we always give respect and admiration. And Nelson would tell you he didn't come up with it. He was the, the um, conduit yeah. uh, of communicating it, right? But he discovered something that was already there. Perfectly said, Nick. He discovered something that was already there. So we're not going to act arrogant and say we discovered it or we're going to call it, you know, cash flow, something, something banking. You know, I mean, it's like, come on, guys, get over yourself. Call it what it is. Call it what Nelson discovered, or I'm sorry, that Nelson uncovered, and use infinite banking concept. But let's go back to this. Why do people have this attitude? It's the illusion of knowledge, just like when people thought that the earth was flat. It wasn't ignorance. It was the illusion of knowledge. Usually I find that this is rooted in someone's level of self-confidence. Right. So when, so when someone thinks that they know everything, in reality, it's a cover for insecurity. And that, that hurts a little bit. I mean, I've had to think about that. Like, why am I putting up defenses? I was right. a little insecure in that. I don't want someone to discover that I don't know something. But, but we are motivated by two things, right? Yeah. We're, pain we're and pleasure. Pain and pleasure. And pain always wins out. And while... I hear what you're saying that it's really hard to overcome, if not impossible to overcome arrival syndrome. I think that when someone experiences enough pain, it may take them longer to realize it than their outside audience uh, takes to realize it in them. 
But when they realize that they're going through enough pain, then they will be willing to change the way they think. Well, you know, it's like Tony Robbins says, is you, you know, the pain of being homeless, you'll do whatever it takes to not be homeless. That's the pain, right? Yeah. But you won't do whatever it takes to live the lifestyle that you want to live. <laughs> and so pain is always a stronger motivator than pleasure, seeking pleasure. But, you know, thinking of Tony Robbins, he, he takes this Ed Deming story about how to teach the Japanese how their quality could get better and better and better and better. And he talks about, and, you know, Nelson talks about, and Tony Robbins talks about how all of the car makers in the United States, they poo-pooed this and just thought he was, uh, you know, that he was uh, not somebody that they wanted to listen to. And the Japanese embraced it. And Tony Robbins calls it Kanai, constant yeah. and never-ending improvement. Yeah. And he, you can take that and regardless of what your endeavor is, constantly be improving, right? Always be improving. And in one of the ways that you can always be improving and the thing that we try to provide for our prospects at createtailwind.com, our website, is materials to train or educate yourself. So bringing this full circle back to the doctor, if the doctor said, hey, I've studied economics after my formal education, and I've done this in real estate, and I've bought these businesses, and I've studied this, and I've studied that. Hey, you know what? Those people don't have a rival syndrome. Because yeah. again, it's the illusion of knowledge. People that truly have knowledge don't have to tell you how much they know. And, and it reminds me of a martial arts kind of philosophy or tenet that shows strength and weakness and, and weakness and strength. Mm. It's kind of like when you were a kid on the playground. The kid that was always telling you he was going to beat you up, <laughs> that kid's never going to beat you up, right? Yeah. And the kid that, you know, I mean, I remember that, that quote, but like, you know, a fool starts a fight. I can't remember how that goes. But anyway, it's always the guy that is going to kick your butt all across the uh, playground yeah. You know, now we were allowed to fight when I was uh, in school, Nick. So I'm I'm a little older than you. I don't know where if you were in this PC world where you can't put your hands on it. Because we yeah. would, you know, when there were boys, when there was some tension, we'd go out to the playground, we'd fight. Normally, it took a few minutes, and then it was over and we were buddies again. So, yeah. you know. That's how it was for me as a kid. It was. Okay. Now today, that's not how it works. No. I'm well, allowed to do that. You but, ask this question all the time is if something you thought to be true turned out not to be true. When would you want to know it? Absolutely. By the way, I got that from Nelson. But, <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's a, a lot of uh, original material here. But uh, <laughs> I've heard you say you borrowed 100% of your material, right? That's right. Yeah, modeled it is what we call it now, Nick. Modeled. We don't call it borrow or steal. We call it modeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a good, uh, it's a, that's a good thought to, to wrap up on. It is a good thought to wrap up on. And, you know, I'm enjoying going through this book and I can't wait till the next episode because we're going to talk about use it or lose it. But until then, if you want to get additional material, obviously listen to the other episodes of this podcast, go to createtailwind.com and look at the materials that are on there for free. And if you want to take a deep dive, then sign up and have a consultation and just find out. You're going to see that 
We are exactly the way that we are on this podcast. We're going to give you the information. You're going to decide whether this is for you or not for you. There is no sales process. So createtailwind.com. Nick Costco, thank you. I'm Jim Oliver. Until next time, you got to break away. It's up to you. You got to take control. See you next time. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.